so now I'm in south of London and I'm going to visit another Polish artist based in here. Uh, her name is Alicja Rogowska. She doesn't have a studio, she works from home. That's why I'm going to visit her in her home here in South London. How would you describe the nature of your work? Um, I mostly create situations and performances and videos, usually in collaboration with other people, depending on the nature of the project and the subject that I'm talking about. I would say I create temporary kind of collectives that are very loose. So it's not, it's not about having a collective that you work with all the time, but uh, it's about inviting people to work with you on, uh, on an issue that is also relevant to them. So a lot of those projects are inquiry-based or research-based. If I'm researching labour conditions, I would talk to workers and try and involve them in, in, in the process. I don't really produce uh, objects, I'm, I don't really care much about producing stuff for exhibitions, maybe I should more. But obviously there is always um, an element of that, so um, my kind of language of choice in terms of the artistic aspect is, is video um, and performance. So there's, it's, there is this immediacy of performative um, situations that I then translate into a different kind of experience for um, gallery-based audiences. I just want to um, make sure my work has a wider reception. It's seen by a broader number of people, a broader demographic than just the, the usual suspects. More and more I'm interested in, in the idea of future and how we need to create alternatives for the future and we need to create them now and we need to um, do it collectively. So uh, in a, a lot of my work is about trying to find alternatives to the current social and economic system, but doing it with other people and through sort of democratic discussion and negotiation and trying to embark and together on an inquiry of some kind. Where do we want to be? What kind of society are we creating? What kind of society do we want to create? Because when we think about the future, we often stop on the level of technological progress, but actually we live in the age of uh, rising fascism and we need to urgently think about political questions and societal questions. As you know, in this studio kind of uh, studio visit series, I, yeah, I visit artists in their studios mm -hmm. and uh, I know that you don't have a studio, you, that's why I've, I'm visiting your home. Is it a deliberate decision that you're working from home? Um, no, it isn't. <laughs> I just can't afford a studio, frankly. Uh, London is super expensive and just living here as an artist is um, enough of a struggle. After I graduated I basically kept a studio for several years um, but then I realized more and more that I'm actually it means I have to work more to keep the studio but actually that makes the time spent making art even shorter. And the secondary reason was that I started working more and more in context with performative um, work and with video and obviously um, it's much healthier having a workplace of some kind so you can actually separate um, your work life from your private life but that's a luxury that many artists at the moment especially in London really can't afford and I know many many people many many of them my friends that have moved basically that left London and it will continue unless something is done about uh, the rising rents and 
rising rents for studio spaces. Yeah, you are very much interested in work in yeah. your artistic practice. It's difficult not to be interested in work because that's um, what we do defines who we are and how we perceive. Despite the advances in technology, we work much more and much longer hours. I've been working with an arts organization called, uh, called Morning Boat on um, the island of Jersey and also Jersey Art House on a project exploring working conditions of migrant workers on the island. And the majority of them come from Eastern Europe. I've been having lots of conversations with the workers themselves about the labour conditions and the kind of work they do and the effects it has on their lives. Most migrant workers in Jersey work in um, agriculture and the main crop on Jersey is the Jersey Royal potato. Ironic thing about it is that it's the only potato in Europe that is protected under the EU protected origin law and that potato has been harvested by migrant workers from the very beginning when it was introduced. It was only introduced, I believe, in the mid-19th century. The migrant workers up until the 60s were issued with so-called alien registration cards. I mean, they still have to fulfill lots of difficult and almost impossible to fulfill criteria to, to become residents. So I asked them to make clay potatoes, but this was actually a, a just a kind of an opportunity to speak about um, labour conditions. And one of the potatoes is actually um, cut cast in bronze and it will become part of a trophy, a prize for the best employer. So the second project I'm working on is called Alien Species, the Jersey Migrant Workers Archive, because I noticed vis after visiting the local archives that there's very little visual representation of um, the migrant workers in the agricultural sector. And at the same time, talking to the workers themselves, I've realised that they have amazing personal archives on their mobile phones of images and films um, depicting the work and daily life on the island. I'm creating an archive together with the workers of images taken by them of, of the work and of the, themselves. That perspective, uh, that gra grassroots perspective is very important to me. So they're not images taken by professional photographers, um, by the media or the press that have their own agenda. Another project that we actually did together <laughs> was called the Monument to Precarious Workers and it was commissioned for an Art Loop Festival in Sopot. The theme of the festival was night shift, so any kind of activities that do uh, that happen at night, uh, which was interpreted differently by different artists, but because I'm interested in, um, in the questions of work and labour and um, the kind of invisible labour specifically, I started um, doing research around uh, all the work that happens behind the, what we see um, on the surface of this uh, town, which is a spa town, so there are many um, restaurants, there are many hotels, and so on and so on. I was interested in um, this kind of casual, precarious, seasonal work. Um, a lot of it is actually done by um, immigrants. A lot of it, of it is done by women as well, and by students, basically people who are in, in uh, desperate need of work and have to accept low-paid, precarious opportunities. It was a conversation with um, with one of the guards at the at the local art gallery that prompted me to to think about these issues a bit more because I asked her why she was standing and walking around all the time instead of sitting down. It seemed like a um, difficult task to be on your on your feet for eight hours a day um, just watching an exhibition. And she explained to me that it was a new regulation put in place by the employer 
and I started thinking about how those regulations, how they actually impact on people's bodies and how that sort of regime of not just flexibility in terms of working hours and in terms of your lack of rights as a, as a worker, but also in terms of your body and how you need to be all the time flexible and healthy, even if you might not be. Mm. So I decided to create a kind of monument that would be an anti-monument in a way, because it would be made out of precarious workers themselves. The monument basically is a combination of this idea of flexibility and stillness. So I thought actually that this flexibility is as rigid as the new regime and decided to also inspired by those living statues in a lot of um, touristy places. People standing in one position for a long time and it just made me think about how you're sort of stuck in this low-paid precarious work. So I created those sort of supports, a system of supports for the workers. They were kind of positioned in poses that could be interpreted as work poses on those steel supports for a couple of hours. I find it really, really important to reach out to people who not, wouldn't normally engage um, in the arts and wouldn't have the chance to, to be challenged by contemporary art. Yeah, so I tried to create work that either is located somehow in the public domain or is um, accessible enough or it could be seen online or it could be experienced in many different ways not just by going to to an art gallery in this case the monument was located in a in a square in a park with lots of passers-by and obviously the first reaction was how is it possible that the people are keeping in one position for such a long time so the initial response uh, was for people to stop and actually engage with what was happening and then start to question what they were seeing. I also would like to ask you about your interest in migration. It comes with uh, with being a migrant. I'm a, I'm a migrant, especially after the, the Brexit referendum. It really became very, very apparent to not just to me, but to other people. It was uh, definitely a kind of a push to deal with those issues more deeply. The level of xenophobia that appeared. It was just suffocating and I felt like I, I just had to address it. Well, I was commissioned to make work for an exhibition at NGBK in Berlin. And the exhibition was around law and art and kind of misreadings or dyslexic readings of, of law and how that could have an um, emancipatory potential. There are many lawyers out there who are trapped in the legal limbo because of their immigration status. So I decided to reach out to such lawyers and, and invite them to collaborate with me on the project. It was the most relevant to me to work in London. Some were asylum seekers, uh, refugees. Some were actually EU citizens, but they arrived here just before the Brexit vote. Meantime, I discovered a um, device of legal fiction, which is used in law to pretend that something that's not true is true in order to be able to apply a certain legal um, procedure. And I found that there are quite a few of those in immigration law. And I invited, the, I invited the lawyers to explore this idea of legal fiction and perhaps try to find uh, some kind of potential. Is immigration yeah. a fiction, reality, um, an abstract? Um, I asked them to, to actually invent new legal fictions. The legal fiction I like to introduce an international mini wage if leaders are worried about massive immigration, that could be reduced. Because in that way you are also spreading um, welfare to other places. Um, I wanted to kind of probe to what extent law is actually fiction. And if it is, then maybe it's time to write new fictions. And perhaps the new fictions that we write collectively, if we 
include people who are excluded from that process, perhaps those fictions will be more just and more suitable and more suited to people's lives instead of ruining their lives. It sounds like you travel a lot and you do some of your projects mm -hmm. in different countries. Traveling a lot is not necessarily a choice. It's um, the way the art world works. So you expected to be able to go on residencies, expected to be present at openings, expected to go and work in different places. Obviously, it is interesting for my work because I work in context, I work with other people. Living in London as an artist is not sustainable unless you're doing a lot of commercial work, I suppose, which I don't. I have to travel because if I'm offered a, a paid project or a paid residency in somewhere where I can spend three months um, giving given a bursary and a studio, which I don't actually have in London, which is a great luxury, um, then obviously I will go. I will not stay here because there is very little support when it comes to actually artists working where they live. And I wish somebody gave me a residency that would make, basically mean that I could have a studio in London and stay at home and be close to my family and friends. That would mean that I would only travel when I wanted to. But at the same time, it's very, very seductive being on the move and um, so exciting. And you get used to that excitement of being in a new place and learning new things and meeting new people. The world is, is, is um, interconnected. So we, we have to be able to communicate across those, all those boundaries that are artificially created quite often. I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be able to go and work in Indonesia and why that should be a problem when I buy clothes. Well, I try not to, but if you know, if you can buy clothes produced there. And basically the issues that concern workers there, for example, are our issues too, because we're all a part of the same problem, which is, you know, global neoliberal capitalism. So there needs to be a balance between lo um, local work and globalised work. There's, there's lots of ethical considerations you have to um, have and lots of questions you have to ask yourself as an artist working internationally today as to the relevance of your work and um, the ethics of the engagement, especially if you work with other people. Art world in, in mm -hmm. London is very commercialised and you said that yourself that unless you make quite sellable work, mm -hmm. then it's very difficult for artists to stay here. What keeps you here? Mm -hmm. I'm here for a variety of reasons. I studied in London, so to begin with I lived here for two years. And then you develop ties. You have a community of friends. And I'm also here for personal reasons. A lot of things in our lives are not necessarily a choice, you know, and we we tend to forget about this or pretend that it's it's otherwise. But um, yeah, it's not. It's a combination of, of of all sorts of different factors. I feel at home here. I've been here a long time, t 12 years in the UK and um, nine in London. So um, yeah, this is home. And the people here are, I think, wonderful. And that's why I chose it to be my home. And I, d I didn't choose to live anywhere else because I felt welcome. But I think it's the, the policies of the current government are amplifying the um, very dangerous 
marginal tendencies that are becoming less and less marginal, xenophobia and, and racism. I'll be very devastated when I can't um, sustain my life in London anymore, which might happen quite soon, to be honest. Um, yeah. Why do you think so? Because of um, the economic situation of artists and not being paid properly and being expected to pay to take part in exhibitions, being expected to pay for somebody to look at my work, to be considered for opportunities. Majority of artists in this country, and particularly in London, have other jobs to support themselves. Um, but yeah. you don't have another job? At the moment I don't, but I, I wish I had another job. Because, um, yeah, it's a very precarious, um, very, very sort of frightening situation to be in, to be honest, to not be sure where your next um, payment comes from. How, how would you describe your life here in London? Because I usually work elsewhere. I, when I come to London, I, I do a lot of preparation, research, um, and also post-production for my project. So I do a lot of editing, video editing, because I work with a lot with moving image. I do a lot of meetings, a lot of reading, working from home, to me means I'm, I'm working kind of in between other projects. So how does your normal day look like? Like a typical day? I don't have a typical day. It really depends what I'm working on. Usually morning is spent answering emails and um, planning the rest of the day. And then afternoon I usually spend researching and preparing my projects. Then I also have meetings and I go places to get insp inspired or to go to see shows and go to theatre watch films. I have to say more and more of my life is taken up by admin, which I really don't enjoy that much. But there's a lot of, um, you know, applying for um, opportunities, trying to find funding. My projects engage a lot of people, so you can't really see it in the final Results. So even a project, a video that involves five people, requires there are lots of lots of emails, lots of Skype meetings, many practicalities that you need to think about. You know, booking people's travel. I don't have an assistant, so I do everything myself. I work seven days a week. There is a lot of procrastination in what I do, which is um, true, but also that's part of the work. I just hate thinking about art in sort of productive terms because that sort of destroys the um destroys it completely i think you need to be able to just you know read a book that's not relevant to your work i mean now it's my wishful think thinking because i actually don't have the time to do that because my my life is taken up by um admin <laughs> do you keep in touch with any other polish artists living here yeah of course yeah uh, with uh, quite a few actually and it's uh, increasingly so because after the Brexit referendum, what we all found um, increasingly was the, the sort of labelling going on. And suddenly um, it, it became really important where you're from. And I think it's always been, it's just not been pronounced just as much. Um, so I've recently been um, working with other artists and curators to kind of set up a group or um, a kind of network which is n totally informal of um, artists and art prof professionals from so-called Eastern or Central Europe. Um, because if we are going to be labelled, we might as well try and own that label and try and dissolve it altogether. 
um, but in order to do that you need to kind of develop a voice of some kind and um, and also support each other with facing similar struggles and um, you know like not being recognized here as a British artist not being recognized at home as a, as a Polish artist and sort of being in between which I found um, it's a very empowering situation in, in a way it's a sort of post-national situation which is um, should be celebrated, but except we don't live in a post-national world, so... Yeah, it's just like, how do you navigate these labels? How do you get rid of them? Can you get rid of them? How can you at least um, own them?